Amen and amen. I tell you what, glasses, whiteboard, I feel kind of smart today. I don't know. You're going to get you're going to get some deep teaching today. I just kind of feel it. I word a series called Jesus is blank. And before I get deep into that, let me just say that we are in the heart of summer, right? I mean, this last week it was hot. And summer means that uh, a lot of teenagers are getting jobs, right? Now, I, I live with two teenagers, so I would appreciate prayers whenever you can throw them my way. Love, love Jake and Ava, but uh, Ava, you've been threatening about getting a job for a couple, a couple months, haven't you? So, but Ava came up to me and she said, Dad, I applied for a job this week. And I said, that's great, sweetie. And she said, I applied at the juice stop. So if, if all goes well, I'll be getting some discounted smoothies in my future, which I'm hoping it does, Ava. Let's, let's do it. But Jake's the one who's really excited about working. He's talked about getting a job, and he's 14, and so a lot of places aren't hiring 14-year-olds. And I tell Jake, I said, Jake, I know you want to work, and no one really hires 14-year-olds, but I, I said, you could work around the house. And Jake says, I don't, you know, that's not really what I'm looking for, Dad. I said, okay. I said, There's something about getting a paycheck, right? Something about working away from the house, away from Mom and Dad, and getting your first paycheck. And I've told you before, my very first paycheck, my very first job as like probably a 14-year-old Jake was walking bean fields and picking weeds. I mean, it was, oh my God. So now when I say picking weeds, I'm not talking about in your little grandma's garden, you know, pink, pink. I'm talking sunflowers, six foot tall, seven foot tall. It would take two, three guys. Now we each weighed 85 pounds. We weren't strong, but still they were huge and we'd have to pull them out. And the, the job I remember the most was the worst. It was the job where we had to pull the weeds out and the farmer didn't just tell us to pull the weeds out. Here's what she told us. She said, I want you to pull those sunflowers and all the weeds out and shake the dirt off the root. And I'm like, what? Why? I mean, it's hard enough just to pull them. We're going to sit there and strangle the weed and shake the dirt. And, and, she, and, the, and the, the fear was is that if we just pulled it and threw it on the ground, it would somehow, like, take root again. Like, like, like it's some magical weed going to connect back to the earth. I'm like, seriously? After pulling those weeds for, like, three hours, I needed some magical weed. If you know that, and I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's a joke. So, uh, just welcome to Meadows. Okay, so... It was very difficult work. And, uh, but it's interesting. What she was saying really to us is, I don't want that weed. I want it to stay dead. She knows if, it, if that weed connects back to the source, back to the earth, earth, back to life, it'll bring life to it. That's what she was saying. My question for you this morning is, what source are you connected to? See, you're all connected to something, whether you know it or not, or whether you acknowledge it or not, you are. Something that brings you an emotion, something that brings you energy, something that brings you a purpose in life. What source are you connected to? Because the reality is, your success, your purpose, is only as sustainable as your source. If you, in other words, for a lot of us, talk about our income, um, your job, your job is a source of your income, probably. If the job goes bye-bye, Okay, the source goes bye-bye, that's not good, right? For your, your retirement, your source for your retirement might be a 401k. Well, today your 401k looks like a 201k, and you're worried it's going to turn into a 901k, right? If, so if that's the source, you're watching it closely. In fact, if that's your source, you might be, you, there might be a, a Walmart-like greeter position in your future. I don't know. You might not get to retire right away. By the way, I want to do that job just one day. Just one day I want to be a Walmart greeter. You know what I would be? I'd be the honest one. I would be. 
Like, when you come into Walmart, I'd be, hey, welcome to Walmart. Hey, the shopping carts are right over here. Uh, by the way, two of the four wheels won't turn. So you'll be dragging it around the entire store. Oh, oh, by the way, have your phone ready to record. You're going to meet a lot of interesting people as you walk through the store. And if your feet stick to the parts of the store throughout the experience, it's all part of the shopping experience. Now enjoy. See, that's what I would say. So that's a whole other deal, though. So what is, this, what is the source of your, of your purpose, of your success, if the, your happiness, if the source of my happiness, look up here, if the source of my happiness is my golf game, I'm going to live a miserable life, okay? I'm just going to say it out loud. I, I've, been, I've been taking lessons, sending my swing into my coach, and let me just tell you how my golf game is right now. I recorded my swing two weeks ago. I would not, I would not send, you're lucky you even get to see this, but this, this eight-second uh, snapshot will give you an idea of where the game currently is. Check this out. I, I, yeah, yeah, we sent that into America's Funniest Home Videos. I'm still waiting to hear from them. So anyway, I kid you, that's true. St so now the people in the course aren't, the people ahead of me aren't safe. The people behind me aren't safe. Anyway, so that's the game. That's, so the source of my happiness is not that, as you can see. What's your source? Say source. So, so in the series, Jesus is, we've been looking at the seven I am statements that Jesus made. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is this. Jesus is that. And today, we're, we're going to look at the last statement that Jesus made. The, the final I am statement that his friend John recorded and wrote down. John didn't know he was writing the gospel. He just thought, oh, I'm going to take notes on what Jesus said. Pretty smart guy. He's doing some cool stuff. So he wrote it down. And, and, and here's, and I'm teaching out of John 15. This is the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And J John 15, verse 1. Jesus starts right out. Oh my gosh, you guys. He says, I am the grapevine. I am the vine. He's starting to understand source, understand connection. Jesus said, I am the grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Don't miss that. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they'll produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Pause. See, that's why I'm excited you're here today. I'm excited that you're tuned in online today. You are getting, you are getting pruned and purified even right now as the word of God goes forth in your life. This is how big this is. See, he says, you've heard the message. You've been purified through the message, Jesus says. Verse 4, remain, say remain. You're going to hear that a lot over the next 10 verses. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch, that's you and I, we're the branches. A branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. Jesus says it again, trying to make a point. You are the branches. Say, I'm a branch. You are a branch. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Don't miss that. But apart from me, you can do what? So up to this point, in the first five verses, you know what you've heard about fruit that Jesus just said? There, there's four different, four different really types of, of, of growing fruit. Jesus said there's some that, that grow no fruit. There's some that grow some fruit. There's some that grow more fruit. And what you just read, and what I just read, there's some 
that grow much fruit. These are key, and we're going to come back to those a little bit later. So, let's continue in the story. But there's the progression. Verse 6. Anyone who doesn't remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my father, the gardener. Remember? Oh, I've loved you. Even as the Father has loved me, remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Well, that's, that's, we got we to note that. So he just shared a key. So remain, remain equals obey. So remain in my love. Obey my Father's commandments. That's how you remain. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yeah, so that your joy may overflow. This is my commandment. Will you love each other the same way that I've loved you? There's no greater love. And we talked about this last week when we talked about Jesus being the good shepherd. There's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. Repeat after me. Say, remain in me. Jesus says it 11 times in 11 verses. I've studied the scripture for a long time. I've never seen Jesus, ever that I've seen him repeat the same thing so, so much in such a short amount of time. Do you think that Jesus wants us to know something about him? Do you think Jesus wants us to understand who he is and who we are? And how important it is that we're connected, that source, remember? So, so Jesus, I wrote down, Jesus wants us connected so that his life can work in us and through us. Remain. When you're abiding, that's another word for remain, when you're abiding in Christ, you will produce fruit. Uh, and an apple tree doesn't have to force itself to produce an apple. The apple just is a byproduct when the tree is healthy. This is so key that we catch this. Oh, by the way, do not miss this. Spiritual growth is what we're talking about. Growth. Say grow. It's one of our seven core values. If you're not growing, you're dying. A tree needs to produce fruit. It, 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 it's, it's, not, it's, a, it's required. So, but understand something about spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is not based on what you believe. See, the more I hang around people that believe a lot of scripture, and I love that, you need to believe it before you can do it, but... Spiritual growth isn't about what you believe, it's about how you behave. Don't miss that. There's a lot of people believing a lot of great things about an incredible God. There's no behavior or, belie- or yeah, behavior to back it up. There is no growth there. There is no fruit there. Okay? Some, there's a lot of people that believe, that they know so much about the word of God, they know so much about scripture, and they're dead on the vine. Okay? So, it's not what you believe, it's how you behave. I'm going to share with you three things, kind of a theme I started last week. Three things that you're going to experience when you remain. Say remain. See, when you remain, you're going to experience these things. It's not because I said it. It's because Jesus said it. Number one, you're going to experience answered prayers. That's interesting, isn't it? See, not all prayer is the same. John 15, 7. I'll read it to you again. But if you remain in me, if you obey me, 
if you obey me, you can ask anything you want and it'll be granted. And I'm like, that excites me, Jesus. I want to ask anything and have it granted. And Jesus is like, okay, Monty, that's great. But remember the first part, remain in me. And you might be sitting here thinking, God is never answering your prayers. God is like, you keep asking and they never get answered. He never shows up. And I would say to you, quit being such a heathen. You're obviously disobedient. I'm just kidding. So, I'm just, but there is a direct correlation between obedience and answered prayer. It's like we somehow think that all prayers are the same. It's not. There are factors that are involved in your prayer. And Jesus gives us such a golden nugget here about your obedience determines the effectiveness of your prayers. Obedience matters. Heck, not only obedience matters, motive matters. So many things matter when you pray. One of the things that we've been praying a lot as a church, especially leadership, is location. That eventually we're not going to have to go from here to here to here. But, uh, but eventually we're going to have a place where, you know, we're going to put a stake in the ground and this is ours. We, we pray for that. But you can't just pray. you got to move. So a couple weeks ago I'm driving to the location. And I see that just south of here there's 130 acres of land just for sale, just waiting for us to jump all over it. I'm like, 130 acres? <laughs> We don't need that. Ten would do. Ten, ten would suffice. And because I want to be obedient and not just... My, my screen just went black. Technology. Satan, don't. Okay? We don't have time for this right now. So, um, okay, we're going to play that way. It says it's looking for me. I'm right here. I don't know how you... Okay? So, <laughs> looking for you. I'm looking for me too some days. So, uh, do, 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 do. So, I, I, I said we don't need 130 acres. We just need ten. And uh, so I called the realtor because you got, you got to be obedient. You can't just pray. You got to obey. It's like the story I tell. Ladies, if you're just praying for a man in your life, you don't do nothing else. Oh, God, just send me a man. God, just send me a man. And you're just going to stay on your couch praying for God to send you a man? Well, you're either going to marry the UPS man or a Jehovah Witness. Okay? That's, what, that's what's in, that's just the truth. So, I mean, you got to eventually go. So I called the realtor and I said, hey, is that, that land, those, you said it's two farmers selling that. I said, talk to me. They, would they break up 10 acres? And he said, nope. They want to sell it all. I said, all right. I said, can you, give me the, can you give me the name of the farmer? And they got real quiet. I thought he hung up on me. So uh, he didn't. He said, well, if they're okay with that, I'll do it. And then he texted me one of the guys. So one of the guys must have been okay with it. So I'm like, all right, God, I'm doing my part. I'm remaining. I'm obeying. So I text the farmer. I said, hey, my name is Monty. I'm with Meadows Church. We meet right down the road there. And I said, I'd love to just get together for a half hour and just kind of talk about your lands, you know, see what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And uh, that was two weeks ago. I'm still waiting for the reply, just so you know. Still waiting. I'm sure he's, he's probably thinking, Mike. I know what he's thinking. He's thinking, well, this guy wants to break off 10 acres and he wants to buy that. And I, I don't. I want him to give it to us, and then he'll be rewarded in heaven. I mean, that's way better than money. So, I mean, I just if he just give me a chance. But anyway, so, but I want to be obedient. But here, here's, how, here's how God convicted me in this. Because, because I seem to go to God a lot when I, when I want something. Oh, I want that land. Oh, I want that. Oh, I want that. And it's like God is saying, Monty, do you want to connect with me because, because you want me to answer your prayer or because you want me? See, the first and greatest commandment isn't pray to God so he'll give you what you want. The first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. This, church, is the first and greatest commandment. I wrote it down. I put this in here. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. I wrote, it doesn't say love him just when the healing comes. 
Love him when the hurting stops. Love him when he answers your prayer. Love him when he grants you the land that you want. No, no, no. Love him. Remain in Christ. Not because he's going to answer your prayer, but because you love him. Does God want to bless you? Yes. But he wants your heart more. He wants your heart. Man, I'm the pastor. I, I got to learn this stuff yet. Man, so, so, okay, let, let's recap. You'll experience answered prayer. When you remain, which remember what it means, when you remain in Christ. Number two, say two. You're going to experience overflowing joy. Again, Jesus promised it. Jesus said it. John 15, verse 10, I'll read it to you again. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. There's the formula. Just as I obey my Father's commandments, and I remain in his love. See, Jesus knows. Not, not, he knows from experience. He's been there. He is there. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Say overflow. Oh my God, doesn't that sound good? See, and we tend to think that obedience will, will somehow steal our joy from us. It'll take our joy from us. And, and Jesus is saying, no, no, no. It's just the opposite. It'll bring joy to you. Ava, like when I tell you, like, be home at 1030, why do I want you to obey? Because I want joy for you, sweetie. That's what I want for you. And plus, every parent knows nothing good happens after 1030. It doesn't. That's what all the crazies come out. You got cats and clowns and all kinds of evil stuff. I don't get it. Somebody asked me one time, Monty, do you really hate cats? I'm like, no, I, I think they actually taste pretty good. You know, a little barbecue sauce. So anyway, so I'm just kidding. Or am I? So, uh, but obedience, it brings joy. When is the last time, now I want you to pause for a second and really answer this question to yourself. When is the last time you experienced overflowing joy? Have you? Like if you can't remember the last time or any time, there's a good chance that you're not connected. There's a good chance that you're not remaining. There's a good chance there might be an area or areas of your life or my life where we know we're not about the Father's business, where we know we've drifted, where we know we've not, we're not on track with what he has for us. And, 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 and I'm telling you, that is the reason why you're not experiencing joy. I think of when I was so far from God in my addiction, the opposite of joy in my life is addiction. That's the opposite. Like, like if overflowing joy is the goal and what God gives, well, the opposite is slavery and bondage. And for some of you, you could put something else maybe in the blank of, of, of addiction. It might be your depression. It might be fears. It might be your past. I, I don't know what it is for you. But, but in addiction, it was just... And here's the, here's, here's the correlation. Addiction is all about self. Very, a very selfish thing. A very, a very much a take thing. It's all about taking and seeking for self and devouring. But, but joy, it's interesting, just the opposite. Joy is all about giving. Joy is all about others. Like when I have overflowing joy, I had to think about this. A, a few months ago, we, we, you and I, we adopted a lot of families, didn't we? 54 families adopted out of poverty in other countries that you and I adopted to, to sponsor and to bring up in a way that they don't have to live in poverty. That's amazing. So we brought this other child into our home, into our home, if you will. Bright is his name, and uh, he lives in Ghana, Africa. And I remember when we did that and the joy that it brought. And then we got a letter and the joy that the letter brought. And we got to write back and know that our little 38 or 40 bucks a month is somehow 
not just sustaining their family, but bringing them overflowing joy of being able to live above this, this poverty line where they can't, no one can get ahead and no one can even barely get by. But to know that we're making that difference, it like brings me joy. So for me, a lot of it, for me, giving. Like I never used to give back to hardly anything, even the, even the church. And, and now one of the first things I love to do, even financially, when I get paid is I return 10% back to God. And it brings me joy. And to even tell you that is a miracle because it used to bring like fear and angst and like, like anxiety and putting a wall up. But now I actually get excited. In the months that we can go above and beyond 10% or even more amazing, you think that would steal joy from me, but it brings joy to me. I mean, remaining in Christ is giving, not just giving financially, but giving God like your time. Spending time with God in the word will bring you joy. I promise you, spending time alone with God in prayer Spending time with others, serving others. Is it a sacrifice? Yes, but oh, the joy it will bring to you when you give back to somebody else. Giving is the key there. I believe giving is the key. Joy, Jesus first, J. Others are next, and you, see, or you, that's not joy. Okay, I can't spell. J-O-Y, U, whatever. What am I trying to say? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) My God, so much for being smart. I'm taking these things up. Okay, anyway. So, <laughs> J-O-Y, yeah, you is last. Y is last, but that's you. I'm done, so it don't matter. It don't matter. You get it. Others first, you second. Okay, good. So, so you've got answered prayer. You've got, you've got overwhelming, overflowing joy. What do we have last? A deepening love. For others. You know what, you know when I put this point down during the week? It was longer. And I shortened it, not just for the sake of having a shorter thing that you could remember, though that does help. I had deepening love for God and others. And then I scribbled out God. Do you know why? Because if you're loving others, you're loving God. That's why. Jesus said, You'll know my followers by the way they what? By the way they love. That's right. You know it. Be confident. You know it. By the way that they love. You will know, not by the way that you love Jesus, not by the way that you love God, no, 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 by the way that you love one another. Because your love for God is best demonstrated by your love for others. You don't need to put God in the equations. He's automatically there. He loves his people. A deepening love for others. We all know the contention this week with the ruling on uh, Roe versus Wade. And, and I think about that, I look at all the Facebook craziness and I see I see posts like uh, if you're anti-abortion then you can unfollow me right now and I'm like I don't get it I, I, I just that will never do this ever all that does is this now the division's wider screw you I don't okay well that's gonna help and I, whatever side of the fence that you may be on I'm just telling you as followers of Jesus we should, we should be able to talk to somebody, even if their opinion differs from ours, That's the, and, and, and just have a conversation in love. God loves whatever side you're on. God loves you. Know that. And if you're so passionate about one side or the other, God, if you want to help somebody see the light according to what, the way you see it, it certainly won't by, be happening by like, oh, screw you. You know, if you don't believe this, then go that way. Well, that's, that's not going to help anybody. 
I, I just, I just, it just bothers me so much that I, I just, Jesus kept talking about unity. That's what Jesus prayed for. The Last Supper setting, this is the Last Supper setting. What I read to you in John 15, they're sitting at the Last Supper. You know if you keep reading to John 17, Jesus, they're still at the Last Supper setting before Jesus gets arrested. Do you know what he's talking about the entire time in 17? Unity. I pray for unity. I pray that you're united. I pray that you're one. Does it seem like our, our nation is one? It, we're the opposite. God, there's never been a brighter time for the church, though. There has never been more opportunity for the love of God, for the vine to come to fruition than it is right now. I see some great opportunity, but we've got we've to, we need to act like Christ is in us. And that doesn't mean shoving a Bible verse down somebody's throat. See, on the other side of the equation are people. That's what, we, that's what sucks about social media. That's what sucks about not being across the table from somebody. You can't see them. You can't, there, there's a human. They may, not, they may not believe what you believe regarding the Roe versus Wade thing. They're still a person. And chances are if they believe what they believe, there's a, there's a story behind it. Do you care about the story at all? Or is your agenda so important to you that you'll alienate everybody and anybody and not reach anybody? So that's maybe a whole other topic. I just had to mention it because it's prevalent. And it's, it is about, do we have a deepening love for others, whether they agree with you or not? Whether they vote like you or not? Whether they're on the same page as you or not? By the way, maybe you're on the wrong page. I don't know. I mean, I've got opinions too, but don't assume that you're right on everything. God, you're not, then you're not teachable. Okay, I'm, I can keep going on about that, but we've got to keep moving. So deepening love for others. I got to, I got to, Shout out to our kids' ministry again. So, so I find out all kinds of stuff after the fact. I have no idea what goes on there half the time. I just know that it's good because it's God. And then I find out our preschoolers last week, preschoolers, two to five years old, had pictures of their friends, had exchanged pictures in church, and took their friend's picture home. You know what they did? Preschoolers prayed over their friend's picture. They're, pray, they're praying for others. They're praying for that. So we're teaching our young ones. When I tell you that we're teaching kids in, in, in kids' ministry, I mean it. Like right now, our babies, they're, they're memorizing Scripture and prophesying over each other. I don't know. Okay, they might be drooling over each other. It don't matter. So it's good. So, but, but these are preschoolers. I love hearing that. I love it. I love it. I love it. I have to park on this last one for a minute, though. The deepening love. You know, when Jesus talks about pruning... Remember how he talks about it in two ways. He talks about cutting off. That is, that is um, those are dead branches that aren't producing any fruit. And they're cut off. And then he talks about cutting back. Those are branches that are producing something, but they're cut back. Why? So they can produce even more. Because the goal is always much, say much, much fruit is the goal. Jesus makes that distinction. Why? Because he promotes growth. He always does. Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't okay with healthy things not growing. He's not okay with that. You read scripture all over the place. Well, we're just going to maintain. Well, that's, that's not biblical. You should be growing. Church should be growing. That's why as long as I leave Meadows Church, which is I hope until the day that I die, we will never be content just like, oh, we're, gonna, we're just content. We've reached a certain point. Are you kidding me? Content? We're going to keep planting churches. We're going to keep reaching people. Most of our community is not reached. So I talked to, let's go back to pruning for a second. I think the last couple years, it's been a pruning season. 
You guys, you guys, like COVID. Remember COVID, right? Remember when we used to fight over toilet paper and stuff like that? Remember the good old days? It was great. So um, COVID was pruning. I mean, businesses, right? Businesses, a lot happened there. Relationships, there was a lot of cutting and pruning in relationships. Churches, you know there's churches out there that are still like half capacity. And that's normal. Normal is about two-thirds. Meadows, we're such a freak of nature. We're not normal. We, we surpassed where we were pre-COVID like a few weeks ago already. So we're above and beyond. And we praise God for that. And we don't apologize for, for big vision. We've got big vision. But I think the reason God's doing that is, it's, well, it's because of you. And I'll tell you why. I'm talking to pastors, and I'll talk to pastors that have like half capacity. Like half the people are there. And I got to remind them and remind myself, there's more metrics than just numbers. Numbers matter because numbers represent us and we matter to God, deeply matter to God. So, so you have to count people because people count. That only makes sense. But that's not the only metric. And I'll remind pastors that are feeling down or feeling discouraged or maybe they want to throw in the towel. And there's a lot of them, a lot of men and women in ministry who struggle because the, the, the room ain't full. It barely half full. Now it's summer and it's like, oh my God, am I doing anything right? And they're starting to base, gauge their value and their worth based on the, the number of butts in the seats. And, I, and so I'll ask him a question. I'm like, how is giving? I'll ask him that. You know why? Because giving is the number one indicator of growth in their church. Number one of health, I should say. In the, it's the number one indicator by far. And here's what I'm hearing. And this is why I'm so excited about the bride of Christ. By and large, here's what I'm hearing. Giving, even during the last two years, and even through, up to today, our giving is the same or up. And I said, think about that. You have half the people coming that were coming before, and your giving is up. And then I ask another question. I say, the people that are coming, are you seeing them more than maybe once a month? Oh, yeah, they come almost weekly. Yeah. Are they, are they engaged? Are they, you see them in their prayer life? Are they wanting prayer? Are they getting into groups? Oh, yeah, they're, they're definitely more in. Doesn't it make sense? See, in the pruning process, this is, it's been true for Meadows. Meadows isn't the same as it was two years ago. Number, Numbers-wise, it might not look a lot different. We're up, of course. I told you that. But... There's, there's people, like in all churches, people that during COVID, they fell away. You could say they were cut off or they cut themselves off, whatever, semantics. But, but they're, 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 they're not coming back and they're never coming back, probably. But, but it brought new growth in. It brought new branches that have been grafted in. And I'm seeing the same thing those other pastors are seeing. I'm seeing growth. I'm seeing hunger. I'm seeing people that are like, okay, it's... it's COVID, we're through that season, it's summertime, but I'm still here at the Bride of Christ. I'm still standing. And here's what I think about the people that maybe fell away or the people that aren't coming back. They're like, well, you know what? I don't need the church. You know, I I didn't miss it and now I don't need it back. And they don't miss it. And the reason why is because the church wasn't changing their life in the first place. And and let me unpack that. The the reason I tell you that is because you'll hear things like, um, well, when I was going to church, I, I still had all these issues, and I still had these problems, and I was still depressed, and I, I, I didn't have joy, and I, I, I still had this void, I still had this darkness, but, and I was going to church, and I'm thinking to myself, that's the problem. You thought it was all about going to church, when the real, the real issue is you're supposed to be the church, right? Jesus didn't say, I'll build my church. It's so amazing. Jesus didn't build his church for a building. The building was never the point. Jesus is building you. Jesus is growing you. Jesus is changing you. Jesus is sending you. You're the church. I'm the church. The moment we start to think it's land or a building, that's just a place. That's just a stake in the ground. That ain't the church. You never call it the church. The church is a living, 
growing organism. That's what it is. That's the church. I love the church. It's flawed. It's messed up. God, I'm leading it. It's got problems. But it's still the bride of Christ. Changing you. I love it. I brought, uh, I brought my pruning gloves. I knew that would excite you. So I, uh, I get serious. I don't mess around. Show that plant that I planted last year. Let the, let the church see how that's doing. This thing, this thing is hurting. Pray for this plant, you guys. It's going to die if God doesn't show up. So I've got a whole attire. I've got a whole attire when it comes to pruning. I've got these gloves. These babies got some dirt on them. Yeah, little hole there. That tells you I've used them, like once. But anyway, I've still used them. So, pruning gloves. I got a whole outfit. I got pruning shorts or cut-off jeans. Totally inappropriate for this setting, so I didn't wear them. Neighbors love them, though. So, um, they're moving out all the time. And uh, I got these pruning shears. So, pruning is a process. Say it's a process. Pruning, it hurts. You put your finger in there. Don't do that. Pastor said, no, no, he didn't. So it, it hurt. Pruning isn't just cutting off the dead stuff. Pruning is cutting off even some good stuff so something better can come. See, for some of you, what you need to prune in your life, some of it's dead and you know it and it needs to go. I don't need to tell you what that is. The Holy Spirit will. Go to him. Seek him right now. Others, there's things, and this is, what, this is the hard one. There's things that are good in your life. And they need to go for something better. Meadows is a church. We won't settle for good. Jesus didn't die on a cross for good. He died for abundant. He died for much fruit to grow. But pruning, the reason why people will settle for good and even settle for bad is because it hurts. It always does because it's a cutting of, of, so this plant, put that, put that disgusting plant back up that is going to die any day. So that plant, later today, I'm going to get up close, up close and personal with that guy. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my, my shears, my, my, my pruning shears, and I'm going to get close. And I'm going to start cutting off some of the dead stuff. And I might even look for stuff that is half alive. And it's good, but it ain't great. And that, it might be half the size when I'm done with it. But it's poised for growth. See, you got to be okay being in a certain season in life knowing that God has something better for you. But unless you prune and prepare for it, it'll never happen because there's no room for it. Pruning is painful. I talked to a gentleman, this is about a month ago, and he said, he said, Monty, I remember that story you told. You were in rehab the first day and you talked about being on the ground and you were like rolling around in the grass like a dog and <laughs> grabbing chunks of sod and ripping them up. And I thought to myself, my God, of all the stories you can remember, you remember that one? That's not my best moment. But, that, but that's, and you know why he remembered it? It's personal. Because he struggles with addiction like I struggle with addiction. So it was personal to him. You know, when I think about that story today, I'm glad that he brought it up because I think about that day and now I'm just, just miserable. You guys, can I tell you something? I thought God had left me. I thought God was so far from me. I thought, God, you, are, you have distanced yourself. I don't see you. I don't feel you. I can't experience you. You are gone. Here's what I know today. 
your father and my father is never more near to you than when he's pruning you. See, God that day was closer than I think he'd ever been. I just couldn't see it in the moment because it was so painful. See, when I get with that plant later today, I gotta get close to it. I'll have to get down way close to it and really get in there. Like all, just on top of that thing to really see what I'm doing. I gotta get close. I gotta get it personal. That's what pruning does. Is it painful? Yeah. But your heavenly father, I guarantee you, he's never nearer than when he's pruning you. Never nearer. Sometimes you gotta go through something difficult, don't you? To experience all that God has for you. Joseph, right? Remember Joseph, Old Testament Joseph? Oh my God, he had to spend time in prison before he could be in charge of the palace. David, before he was a king, David had to spend time herding sheep before he could take down a a giant named Goliath. Jesus, Jesus had to die a criminal's death on a cross before you or I could be saved from our sins. If you want the miracle, you gotta be prepared to go through the mess. It's worth it. It hurts. Some of you, you're being pruned right now. You're in a painful, painful place. Praise God in your pain. That's what I would say to you. Praise God in your pain. He's not done. Say remain. Remain is a big word in the, in the scripture as, you, as we saw today. Theologians and real smart people that wear way bigger glasses than I'm wearing, they will debate about if a person can lose their salvation. Can you be saved and then lose it? I'm not here to debate that. I've got opinions. Other people have opinions. One day we'll find out. Whatever. I just read scripture. Study the heck out of that. All I know is 11 times in 11 verses, Jesus said, Jesus is begging us literally to remain in him. That tells me that you can unremain in him. I will cut them off. Well, if you're cut off or you cut yourself off, I got friends that have walked away from Jesus. I'm pretty sure they knew him at one point. Am I positive? I'm not God. I just see their life then and I see it now. Remain in me. How do I know, Pastor, if I'm remaining? Well, we looked at three indicators already. But let me ask you a very pointed question that I don't want you to answer out loud. What's greater in your life? The desire for sin or your desire for God? Oh my gosh, pastor, I would never desire sin. Well, then you probably didn't do it right, okay? That's your own fault. So there is, sin can be fun for a season. Is your desire for sin greater than your desire for God? For most of my life, it was. I would never have the guts to say it out loud to anybody, not even my closest heathen friends, but it was. And for some of you, maybe many of you, it is. Thank God you can admit it. You're never going to defeat what you never define. I guarantee you that. What's greater? The biggest epiphany to me in this whole message and studying for you and praying for you this week, God will sometimes just hit me. Like I've preached from this scripture numerous times. Never have I seen this. I wrote it down for you just so I would say it the way that God gave it to me. We're the branches, right? Say, I'm a branch. You're a branch. 
we must remember that the branches don't eat the fruit. Who's the fruit for? It's for others. See, when you remain in Christ, when you're connected to the ultimate vine, it's not about you anymore as a branch. Your job, your calling, your love relationship now is to produce fruit. It ain't for you. It's for others. Branch doesn't eat the fruit. The fruit is for somebody passing by. The fruit is for the hungry. The fruit fruit is for the hurting. The fruit is for the struggling. That's who the fruit is for. We're not producing fruit for ourselves, but to serve others. We get the privilege of remaining in Christ. But we have the responsibility of bearing fruit. The privilege of remaining in Christ, the responsibility of bearing fruit. When you abide in Jesus, when you remain in Jesus, you will produce fruit. So where are you at as we come to full circle? Are you producing any fruit? Are you connected at all? I'm in church. I know. I know you are, but are you connected? I grew up in church. Do you have some fruit? Maybe a portion here or there for maybe close people. Are you producing more fruit? Good for you. Keep going. The goal would be much fruit. That's what Jesus died for. Much fruit. See, If you knew how many lives you were supposed to impact, I think it would probably freak you out. So God ain't going to show us that. But I'll guarantee this. Your purpose isn't about you. Your salvation. I tell you, the the definition of Christianity, it's not about me. As soon as I got connected to the vine, Jesus said, Monty, I love you. You'll be connected to me. We'll do life together. I'll nurture you. I'll feed you. I'll love you. I'll comfort you. I'll keep you alive. We'll, we'll, we'll do life together. I'll prune you because I, 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 want, I, want, I know you can do more. I know I got more in you. But what you're producing, it isn't for you. It's for you. It's for my family. It's for others. It's not about, see, if, if we as Christians can understand it's not about us, we'll change the world. But we, and, and here's the thing. Here, here's how you can gauge how much fruit you're producing or if you're producing any. If you're comfortable if you're not hurting in any area, if you're not struggling in any area, if you're not being stretched in any area, well, you're probably right up here. Guarantee you. If you're here, you, you're not comfortable. You're not comfortable. You are getting cut up. You are getting pruned all over the place. I promise you. That, so that's a way to gauge it. So, so Jesus, this is what's crazy. He's the vine, but yet he's also connected to the father, who's also the gardener, he said in the scripture. Remember the, the story I told you about the farmer that made me strangle the weed and shake it? Well, I think, about, I think about Jesus. Jesus has never been unconnected from the father, ever, except once. You know, Jesus has always been, right? He's always been. The Holy Spirit's always been. Always been connected. Jesus loves the father so much. You can hear it in the scripture that I read. You hear his love for his father, and then, he's, then he made a crazy statement. I got to go back to it to make sure you got it. I have loved you. Say me. You. I have loved you as the Father has loved me. My God. Jesus, you love us like the Father loves you. We can't fathom the love that he has for us. So Jesus goes to a cross and he knows what's coming. And Jesus isn't just getting pruned. He's getting cut off. 
that was never the plan, never supposed to be the case. But when sin entered the picture, when you and I start making decisions for ourselves that were not wise decisions, when we stopped remaining and we start doing our own thing, there needed to be a plan. The vine, the gardener, they had a plan. But the problem is the vine had to be disconnected from the Father. I can't imagine. So Jesus is on the cross, and without going through all the scriptures, theologically, the gardener left the vine, cut it off and left. And, and, and Jesus knew it would happen. In fact, here's how I see it. Jesus is up on the cross, and you know what he does on the cross? He grabs the shears, and he's like, gardener, I got it. Father, I got it. I love him so much. God, I don't know what I'm going to do without you. I don't know what I'm going to do. We'll be separated. I don't know what I'm going to do. I love you so much, but I love you so much. And Jesus starts to cut away at the relationship between him and his father. And foomp, the vine falls to the ground. And it, it doesn't just fall to the ground, it withers and it's dead. Dead for us. So that we might live, the vine dies so we might live. And just like the magical weed <laughs> I talked about earlier that plants itself back in the ground, the vine was dead, but the vine was not done, right? Because three days later, just like the magical weed in that disgusting bean field with all those sunflowers, it happened. Three days later, the, 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 the vine would, would come back to life, resurrect itself, plant itself back with the gardener, back in the garden, back to the connection to the king. He rose from the dead because he wants life for you, purpose for you, fruit for you. Not some, not more, but much fruit for you. So, today you've got to connect. You've got to connect and whatever that looks like. For some, it's a commitment saying, I, I, I'm all in. I, I, I'm disobeying in areas. I'm not remaining in areas. I'm back in. I'm committing. I'm recommitting. I don't care what you call it. You need to go there. For others, there's a place in your life. You know what category you're in, and you already know where you're not remaining. What will you do about it? What will you do? Salvation, by the way, is faith. Say faith. When you believe that, that Jesus was dead, on the third day he rose from the dead, and you ask Jesus, the vine, to bring his life-giving power into you through the Holy Spirit, he'll do it. He'll save you like that. But you don't just automatically start bursting and producing fruit right away. It's a slow process to come back to life. Don't give up in the process. Don't fall away in the process. Trust the process and the pruning. Let him guide you. Let him love you. Let him nurture you. Let him raise you up. This is what you're called to do online. Say, I want to connect with Jesus. I want to connect to the vine. If you, if you type it, man, I will contact you personally and celebrate with you. It is that big of a deal. Others, what's he telling you to do? Know your category and know what you're called to do. I'm convinced of one thing. By the way, I wrote down from a previous series called Cut the Cord. The Latin root word, my glasses are coming into play here, the Latin root word of the word decide means to cut. A decision is a cutting. What will you cut? What will you decide? What will you do in this moment? See, God, I believe, see, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place, and God is training somebody. He's training you for the purpose that he has for you, much fruit. 
God is, God is preparing you for the future that he has for you. God is pruning you to bear much fruit, not just so that he can bless you, so that you might be a blessing to others. He is the vine. You are the branches. Remain in him, and you will bear fruit. If you believe it, can you shout louder than that? Can you scream louder than that? Can you give God praise for the next 10 seconds? Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your love. Thank you for letting us connect to you. Your love for us is supernatural. God, I pray for everybody here today. I thank you for working and moving in our lives. You are the vine. We are the branches. There are branches in here, God. Some are dead. Some are on the verge of falling off the vine. Some have leaves. Others are, are fruitful and have fruit hanging. Regardless of where we're at, Father, we need you right now to move in our lives. This message isn't for motivation. This message isn't just to say that we went to church. This message is to go forth and produce fruit. What happens after the message is the most important part of the message. God, I'm going to say that again. What happens after the message is the most important part of the message. Devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You have no authority over this church, over our people, over anybody that's going to make a decision for Jesus. Nothing's going to stop them from marking a card. Nothing's going to stop a guest from turning in their card. Nothing's going to stop people from coming to the prayer team, flooding the prayer team. God, you know our prayer for the church is that most of the church would, would after the song here in a second, that they would rush the stage rather than leave right away. God, work on our hearts continually prune us. Help us see what you want us to do and give us the courage, the obedience, the strength, the faith to do it. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen.